Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, glad you're with us. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. We are brought to you today by Theragun, and we are back with some good news, Jim. We don't usually make people die in good news unless... They are horrible, horrible people, and that's exactly what the situation is with Iran. We had just talked last week, and the things we're thankful for was the death of uh, Soleimani back in January. And uh, lo and behold, someone was listening because they gave us another gift just a couple days later, and that was the uh, death of the leading Iranian nuclear scientist. We'll hear from Reuters here in just a second. My best pronunciation is Mohsen Fakhrizada, but uh, here's how Reuters describes uh, the, the assassination just a couple days ago. An Iranian scientist long suspected by the West of masterminding a secret nuclear bomb program was killed in an ambush near Tehran Friday, an incident that could potentially provoke a confrontation between Iran and its foes during the final weeks of Donald Trump's presidency. Iran blamed U.S. ally Israel for the assassination of Mohsen Farisadeh, with the implication that the killing would have the blessing of Trump, and vowed to retaliate. Farisadeh died of injuries in the hospital after armed assassins fired on his car, Iranian state media reported. There was no immediate claim of responsibility for the attack. The Pentagon, State Department, CIA, and the White House all declined to comment, although Trump retweeted reports of his death. U.S. President-elect Joe Biden's team also declined to comment. So, Jim, we've seen this before. I think at one time we had uh, operatives on motorcycles slapping magnet bombs on the car being ridden in by uh, a top nuclear scientist. This time, apparently, we've got remote-controlled machine guns, although there's a pretty heavy human footprint on the ground there as well. But uh, very cool, and hopefully it's a major setback to the Iranian nuclear program. Yeah, first of all, by the way, Greg, I looked it up, and it turns out it's actually pronounced the Iranian nuclear guy. <laughs> that's how you pronounce that last name. So that's how I will pronounce it for the remainder of this segment. Uh, look, you know, first of all, for every thriller writer who's ever had a remote control machine gun pop up out of nowhere to kill somebody, now is, oh, that's not realistic. Well, now it is. And don't we all feel better for it? I mean, we, we may feel better for it. The Iranians may not. Um this could have been us. A lot of people strongly suspect that this is the Israelis. It certainly is uh, in keeping with this. I, I think this is at this point when you're using remote control machine guns and nobody on the ground, or at least nobody there. And apparently, by the way, they had um, he was heading to uh, I don't know, not a vacation house, but some sort of second home he had in the suburbs of Tehran. He's got he travels with security. The first security car goes up to the house to check it before he arrives. There's one shot at that second car that has Iranian nuclear guy in it. Um, and I guess the shot, you know, it doesn't do serious damage to the car, but they think they've hit, they have hit something. So they get out of the car to see what happened, including Iranian nuclear guy. And that's when the uh, remote control machine gun just cuts them all down. Um, now, a lot of people are speculating that this is the Trump administration uh, trying to box in the Biden administration. I don't, I point out that like, these sorts of operations, you probably had to be planning this for a long time. You don't just throw together a remote control machine gun assassination plot uh, willy nilly. You know, this this generally takes you got to know the guy's uh, patterns. You got to know where you got to preposition the stuff. Obviously, you need somebody controlling all of this stuff, remote control. You're probably watching on satellite drones, something. You know, somebody's watching all this going on. So 
Um, this is probably not thrown together. And I don't think, you know, whatever power did this to the Iranians, they didn't do it over, you know, trying to uh, domestic political disputes with Joe Biden. They did this because they wanted to set back the Iranian nuclear uh, program. And it looks like, you know, while killing one guy can't stop the entire program, it apparently does appear to be a significant setback for the Iranians. So uh, good news for us. The world is a little bit safer. It certainly looks like the Biden administration wants to restart the Iran deal. Um, there's, they're at least hearing a little bit more cautiousness in their tones of saying that they want to see good faith efforts from the Iranians. Now, they didn't exactly have a high bar to clear uh, when it came to good faith efforts in the Obama administration, we'll see if anything changes in the Biden administration. But if nothing else, this probably bought us more time before Iran has a working nuclear weapon. And, and Jim, this is not confirmed, but uh, I have heard through uh, classified channels that uh, in Farsi, um, the Ayatollah, as well as the president over there, were heard saying, looks like we're going to need a couple more nuclear guys, I guess. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a bit like, you know, being the second in command guy in Al-Qaeda or the drummer for Spinal Tap. You know, you're just eventually going to, you, you, it's a short-term position. It's really a temp job. Yes, yes. Those words of Dwayne T. Robinson just uh, ring through the ears. Um, uh, Jim, I don't know if this was part of a future plot line in, uh, in the Dangerous Click series, but does this make you tear up a manuscript or uh, just tweak it a little bit or maybe plug it in somewhere? So... It's neat enough, the idea of using it, but you want your characters to be kind of in the dangerous spot. You know, pressing a button from far away to blow somebody up isn't necessarily the most dramatic thing in the world. So uh, I have not imagined this particular scenario, but at some point, you know, drones can always play a supporting role in whatever your heroes are doing. All right. Well, let's talk about some other good news, and that is the relief you can get on those aching muscles with Theragon. Look, the stress of daily life weighs on us all, uh, even if you're the Iranian nuclear scientist. But uh, Theragun can't help them out anymore. So whether you're an elite athlete or a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. And we've talked about this a lot. I've had the chance to use the Theragun. My wife absolutely loves it. Uh, you've got a lot of different options for uh, using the Theragun on your feet, on your calves, on your shins even, on your quads, on your back, even on your neck. Uh, there's different uh, ways to hook up to the app. You pick out uh, what you want the Theragun to do. You tap it on the app and the Theragun just fires right up and all you have to do is hold it. It's really, really cool and it's really, really nice. Uh, it actually does a very effective job. And there's a lot of different uh, models of the Theragun depending on what you might need. And so for soothing, aching muscles, just feeling better, there's a nice wind-down routine just before you go to bed. For all of those reasons, that's why we use Theragun. You know, would a remote control machine gun deal with your stress and the problems in your life? Maybe, but they're kind of hard to get your hands on. <laughs> so until you can find that, you've got Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension by using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that is so quiet, you will wonder if it's on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun for 30 days. There's simply no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, 
personalized Theragun app, like I mentioned before, and the quiet and power you need. Starting at just $199, go to theragun.com slash martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash martini. Again, theragun.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini, although this could clearly qualify as a crazy martini as well. Uh, right now, the legal challenges uh, persist uh, for the Trump campaign. So far, their courtroom track record is not good. We'll see where the rest of the lawsuits go. But one of the things that is now a byproduct of the assertions that there was uh, major fraud perpetrated in a number of states is that Republicans who are not vociferously enough speaking out about it are complicit in this. And that includes Georgia's two Republican senators who are on the ballot January 5th. And of course, uh, both races are expected to be very close. And so turnout will be critical. And so there are a lot of different hashtags flying around out there like Crooked Purdue, Crooked Kelly, meaning David Purdue and Kelly Leffler. Uh, they are being accused essentially of being secret liberal demo rats, according to this story in Politico. Uh, you might have also heard about the uh, hashtag right in Trump in Georgia. And even Donald Trump Jr. said, no, don't do that. We need the Republicans who have uh, qualified for this runoff, Laffler and Purdue, to win. you got to have one of them for Republicans to have the majority. You've got to have uh, two of them if you want a little bit of, more of a buffer zone there. And so, Jim, you've got folks literally out there saying Lynn Wood, the lawyer, was one of them. Others saying, look, we can't trust the electoral process. What's the point? Let's write in Donald Trump and, and make a huge statement here. I don't know how widespread that is. I hope it's not. Pence has been down there campaigning for the senators. Trump's going to be doing the same soon. Uh, every vote's going to matter in this thing. And if Democrats end up with the majority in a 50-50 Senate because Harris is going to be the vice president, because people decided to boycott a race with the Senate at stake, it's about as dumb as you can get. You know, Greg, for, for everyone who wants to kind of say, I'm going to write in Trump for, for the runoff, I have news for you. In Georgia runoffs, there is no spot for you to write in a candidate. There is no write-in slot. There is no write-in option. That's what the runoff is for. You've had many options in the first round, and now we're down to two. And now it's not like, oh, is there somebody else you'd like? No, no, it, it is a binary choice. We've heard a lot about binary choices for the last four or five years, haven't we, Greg? <laughs> um, and so it's one of those things where you can go in there and you're going to have the option for the Republican candidate or the Democratic candidate, and that's it. Uh, if you write in, I want to vote for Donald Trump or I vote for Donald Trump or something like that, you will spoil your ballot. Your ballot will not count. You want to go ahead and do that. Uh, that's your right. You're free. You're free to do that. I just don't really understand why you would bother to do that if you when staying at home has the same effect. Um, look, folks, I, you know, I, I was about to say I believe Trump lost the election, but I don't really believe it. It's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of you know, at this point, vote counts. It's right out there. The vote has been counted in the state of Georgia. It's been recounted in certain parts of Wisconsin. It has been recounted. And Biden's vote margin expanded by 73 votes or so. Trump lost the election. It was a free and fair election. We may yet see voter fraud convictions in this. I wouldn't say that every last vote was not fraudulent. If you go back to that Heritage Foundation database, you can find examples of voter fraud in quite a few states and in quite a few places in quite a few years. But you see it on the, in, you know, in, the, in the category of a handful of votes here, a dozen votes there, not tens of thousands of votes, which is what Biden's margin is in most of these states. Uh, it, it's just not a, a, you know, plausible here. 
I believe that American elections, while imperfect, are largely free and fair, and that the right candidate, the candidate who gets more votes, has won. That there is not fraud on a massive scale. So I would say, go to if you're in Georgia, vote for those two Republican senators. Because it's important Republicans keep control of the Senate. It's important to block bad ideas from Biden. This will force the Biden administration to come to the negotiating table. and You might actually get some good ideas enacted into law. If nothing else, you'll prevent bad ideas from being enacted into law by keeping a Republican Senate. But if you don't do that, they can always try to use reconciliation to ram some stuff through. And so this is the better of the two outcomes. Donald Trump right now is trying to put forth two contradictory arguments. The election was a fraud. The election was rigged, it was stolen, and that massive numbers of votes for him were secretly switched to Biden by either the voting machines or by the officials running the elections. He also wants people to go out and vote for the Republican senators. Of course, why would you go out and participate in this if this whole thing is rigged and the whole thing's a fraud and the whole thing is a a joke that has been rigged from the beginning to ensure Democratic victories? There's a contradiction there, and the president is greatly complicating the effort for Republicans in Georgia. I don't know if this will be enough to cost them, but let's face it, you know, the uh, Purdue did okay. He won by about two percentage points in that first one. It's not a huge margin of error. And with the, uh, they call the jungle primary, where you have all kinds of different candidates. Um, I don't know if Loeffler's in secure shape for that one. Uh, Polling has Republicans up by a bit. I think we have good reason to be a little wary of polls heading forward. You know, could Republicans win this? Sure. But they certainly aren't getting, you know, strengthening their position by spending this much time tearing down the governor, tearing down the secretary of state and, you know, alleging these vast conspiracies involving Venezuelans and and voting machines and all that stuff. So we will see how things shake out, Greg. But I got to say, what should have been a gimme for the Republicans in Georgia is now, you know, certainly nothing guaranteed uh, the longer this fight goes on. Yeah, it's just fascinating to watch this uh, and bizarre at the same time, because there are those who are pushing the Trump write-in that think if he were to somehow win the write-in, which, as you just explained, is impossible since write-ins are not allowed, that somehow he would be declared the winner of Georgia's 16 electoral votes. That's not how the system works. Look, you have recounts. You can have multiple recounts, as we learned in 2000. Um, You can have targeted recounts. Then there's a certification process. The legislature obviously validates the electors. There's legal challenges. There are things that can happen. You're not going to accomplish anything in the presidential race by trying to participate in shenanigans in the Senate races. All you're going to do is hurt Republicans and give the Democrats control of everything in Washington. Now, I get it that it's close because four years ago, we kept hearing that, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton over the span of three states, it was a matter of what, 70, 80,000 votes. She was that close to winning the Electoral College. And it's actually less than that for Trump. Um, He would be at 269 if you if he were to have won Georgia, Wisconsin, and Arizona, Georgia and Arizona, I believe, are both somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand vote differences. Wisconsin's right around twenty, maybe a little more. So you add those together, it's more around fifty thousand. It was really close. He came really close in the states that that mattered. And if we'll see what happens with the legal challenges right now, it doesn't look good for him. But to uh, go off the reservation when it comes to the Senate race, this makes no sense at all. Well, I'm sure everyone will unite behind that message, Craig. <laughs> Even though you said it so well, so succinctly, so clearly. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. 
Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next. All right, let's talk about our crazy martini now, Jim, because as the the Republican strategy, at least among some in Georgia, uh, has taken a dramatic turn, so has the attitude of the mainstream media and the assumption that Joe Biden will be our next president of the United States. You know, Jim, uh, it's been said by a lot of folks on the right, how is it that someone like Melania Trump hasn't been on the cover of a single magazine over the past four years? But now we've got glowing profiles about how Jill Biden will redefine the role of first lady because she still plans to teach her college courses. Uh, There's all sorts of uh, folks like Andrea Mitchell saying, you know, nonpartisan people are going to be holding some of the most prominent positions in the administration. The Bidens might be bringing a cat to the White House in addition to their dogs. But speaking of dogs, here is the most pathetic uh, story that I've seen so far. It's from the Daily Beast, who interviewed a pet psychic in an article entitled, Joe Biden's dogs have told this pet psychic a lot about their beloved master and his future. Apparently, the dogs are kind of psychic as well. Uh, The clairvoyant in question is a British woman named Beth Lee Crowther, who appeared on a TV morning show based in the U.K., And uh, the Beast says this, as a pet psychic who performs animal communication using telepathy and mind-to-mind communication, uh, Crowther uses photographs or can just be in the same room as an animal in order to begin, she claims, speaking with it. With their pictures, she says she's forged a close relationship with Biden's dogs. And wow, did they ever dish about their owner, as well as a ramping up of his troubles with the non-conceding President Trump moving into the White House, their master's calmness, and even Biden's plans to govern. The very first thing I got was that they were both very excited about moving to the White House, Lee Crowther said to the Daily Beast. I had a real connection. I felt that excitement of theirs. They showed me that Joe Biden is very bonded to his dogs and has a real connection to them. They kept showing me that although he has rescued one of the dogs, the dogs feel in many ways they have rescued him. Uh, she also says that Biden has a big personality, has great empathy for people and animals, and the animals are also optimistic about what the Biden administration is going to accomplish, Jim. They have policy preferences. They made me feel that he will be a great president. He loves to help people. They described him as a big softy, Lee Crowther said. He talks to them like they are people about his ideas, hopes for his future, if he is having a good day or a bad day, how we would talk to a person about things. They showed me that he feels as if dogs do understand him. Jim, I could go on, but this is insane. And so uh, for four years, even really, really good news always came with the caveat about how Trump either didn't deserve credit or is really to blame for things not being even better. Uh, But now we got uh, the dog clairvoyant from across the Atlantic explaining how everything's going to be so awesome in a Biden administration. Don't you love our media? You know, Greg, I I feel at this point I should step in for listeners and explain that despite the name, the Daily Beast is not a specialty publication that focuses on pets. (laughs) It thinks of itself as a mainstream news. I think it used to be affiliated with Newsweek for a while. And uh, now it's it's kind of if I say I'm not going to say it's gone to the dogs far too easy, just going to create too many groans, not worth it. But I'm going to make two one or two observations. Probably my favorite example of this phenomenon of how the lens in which a figure is covered is entirely dependent upon the partisan affiliation. Probably my favorite example of this, uh, of just how intense this can get. Uh, I I could point to Michael Cohen. I could point to uh, any figure who broke away, Scaramucci, you know, anybody who broke away from Trump and suddenly got much more friendly coverage than they did before. 
Um, I could point to that. But I think my favorite example comes from a man who's apparently being considered to be the next Secretary of Transportation, Rahm Emanuel. Um, now, here's the thing. If you've followed politics for a long time, you know that he was, used to be uh, Clinton's chief of staff before he was mayor. He was Obama's chief of staff. He ran the DCCC. He was a congressman. Rahm Emanuel has been around politics for a long time. And he started out as a consultant, as a staffer, as a campaign guy. And he was kind of a maniac. Uh, there are two famous stories, one about him sending a dead rotting fish to a pollster because he didn't like the pollster's numbers. That's normal, right? That's, that's a perfectly sane thing to do. And the other one is apparently he's at a restaurant and he, he, he apparently they're, they're at a steakhouse or something. And he takes a steak knife and he starts stabbing the table uh, about, I think, I think it was over Clinton's impeachment or something. He starts listing out every person he hated and stabbing the table, making marks. And it's saying, this is going to be dead. This person is going to be dead. And I'm, I read this in a profile years ago, Greg. I feel like, this is Capone in the Untouchables, Greg. Yes, right? Yes, this yes. is you know, this is maniacal. Be like, and if this was a Republican consultant who had had this incident where they started chanting, you know, listing off their enemies and you know, pledging that they will be dead, the person would be covered. It would be treated in the press as a homicidal maniac, right? You'd get. Um, not even Roger Stone got fairly comparable uh, positive press uh, way way back as kind of this wacky, colorful character. Uh, but Rahm Emanuel would not be seen as, ah, he's a fierce competitor. Or, you know, the entire tone of it is, oh, that Rom, boy, what a what a fiery persona he is, right? He's just a regular Vince Lombardi right over there. No, no. Um, you know, because Rahm Emanuel's Democrat, he's never going to get this. Biden's going to get, uh, we're going to be told that he's reassuring. Look, we, we've been watching Joe Biden this whole time. We've watched him in the debates. We know his mind wanders. We know his voice wanders. We know he's not as sharp as he used to be. I hope the man lives to be 100. Uh, but, you know, he is what he is. We can see it. We're going to be told, though, much like the emperor has no clothes, that Joe Biden is being this strong, confident, reassuring, hold on yards. They're going to sing about his praises. Now, I'll give one other good example of this. I kind of, you know, stirred, stirred the pot over this weekend. So around, let's say, four o'clock yesterday afternoon, the press corps that follows Biden and has had very little access to him was informed that on Saturday, previous day, he had slipped while playing with his dog, twisted his ankle, and that then on Sunday afternoon, out of an abundance of caution, he'll be examined by an orthopedist. Uh, no video of him going to the orthopedist was available. The press pool were not allowed to leave the vans, and the transition would not answer any further questions. It appears to be a bunch of hairline fractures in his foot. It's not that bad. He's going to be wearing, it sounds like some sort of walking boot. I hope Biden is fine. But Joe Biden is 78 years old. If Joe Biden is having health issues, I think it's good for the public to know about that sooner rather than later. You know, now maybe it was not that bad on Saturday. Maybe it only really started hurting on Sunday. We'll, we'll see how this shakes out. But it certainly is a bad omen. And this isn't the first time Biden has gone somewhere and they've not told the press pool. Right now, there was all this complaining about Trump and, and Trump is secretive and they didn't tell us anything about going on when Trump was in the hospital at Walter Reed. Look, Biden campaign or, or Biden transition team, if you really want, if you mean what you say, if you really want to turn the page, if you really want to start a new chapter, then you're going to have to start putting out the full information. Now, I, there are some people who respond to this and say, well, Jim, Trump didn't do it. So Biden didn't have to do it. This shouldn't have to do it. Fine. If, if that's what we're going to do, if that's the standard. We can go forward to that standard, you know, for, for both parties forever. I would prefer that the public get more information about the candidate's health and the president's health moving forward. 
I think for a long time, used to, the doctors for the presidents used to come out and answer questions. For a long time, you know, somewhat redacted versions of, the, of a candidate or president's medical records were released for other people to scrutinize. I think it's a good idea, particularly with a 78-year-old president, particularly with a, a virus going around that is particularly dangerous to senior citizens. But no, 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 it's Biden. It's okay. We don't need to tell you about anything that happened until a day later. Don't worry. If it's important, we'll let you know. Jim, I'm just curious here because it says in the Daily Beast article that the pet psychic said that the dogs told her that Biden would do tremendous things as president, particularly in bringing peace and unity to the world. But they didn't know that he was going to break his foot while he was playing with them two days later. Selective clairvoyance, apparently. <laughs> didn't see that coming. <laughs> That's right. It's like the fortune tellers that go out of business. How did you not see that coming? Uh, Jim, it's a Monday. Plenty of craziness. We'll see what the rest of the week holds in store. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review, also the author of Hunting for Horsemen. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget about Theragun, theragun.com slash martini. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're always very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Also, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and please join us Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.